It's a simple known fact that the secret to success lies in 80% mindset and 20% strategy. Yet there are people out there, and this may include you, who have the skill set needed, have acquired all the knowledge they could to move up the ladder, but are still struggling in their business or life in general. Or you may be at a point where you simply hate your life and you don't know why. The reason, if you haven't guessed it right, is that most people get it all wrong when it comes to having the right mindset. In fact, most people are caught up in what Elizabeth Lewis calls thinking traps. And knowing what these thinking traps are can help you win at business, relationships, or life in general. That brings us to introducing our guest for today. We have Elizabeth Lewis on the Guri Show. She's a neuropsychotherapist, and we learn what that means from her. And Elizabeth helps driven entrepreneurs increase confidence, achieve peak performance, and grow their revenue by 25% in three months. Welcome, Elizabeth. I'm so excited to have you here. How are you doing? Thank you so much. Man, that was an awesome introductory. Um, I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. I'm actually excited for this conversation. I love mindset stuff. You know, and me thinking too. traps and that word itself, that phrase itself caught my attention. And I was like, oh, I want to learn more about that. <laughs> yeah, we have some slang in the therapy world. I mm-hmm. mean, technically they're cognitive yeah. distortions, but there's thinking traps, man. They're, it, that like just summarizes it so well, you know? Yeah. I mean, the name gives, out, gives away some things, but of course I would love to learn from you, like what exactly are thinking traps. And we'll dive into that. But first of all, like, tell us who is a neuropsychotherapist or what is a new neuropsychotherapist? I'm trying to get it together. Neuropsychotherapist. (laughs) So neuropsychotherapy is where you have, um, it's kind of the bridge of neuroscience and psychotherapy all in one. So a traditional therapist is really going to look at your emotions and your feelings. The neuropsychotherapist is going to look at your thoughts and your feelings and your emotions, but also your brain and behavior and the connection between all three. And so when I listen to clients speaking, I'm, I'm listening for some of the words that they're using because that can actually give me an indicator of what part of their brain are impoverished or overfed. And so then we can go a little bit more to the root at that neurological level to create changes, really leveraging neuroplasticity, excuse me there, and then healing the brain so that they can have um, a shift, not just in psychology, but neurology. Mm -hmm. I like that. And then what's the difference between regular therapy and neuropsychotherapy or are they similar are there any parallel aspects uh, overlapping aspects or they're totally different from each other well again and that's just kind of what i said a, a traditional therapist mm-hmm. is going to look at your emotions and your feelings and we're going to kind of stop there whereas a neuropsychotherapist is really looking at your neurology and some do also look at the emotions and the feelings as well it really just depends on the type of neuropsychotherapy you specialize um i don't do what a lot of the neuropsychotherapists do which is going to be a really traditional and and an expertise type of um mental health or or um i want to say doctor but i don't want anyone to think md there um, doctorate type of, of um, m- mental health aspect. Um, for instance, a lot of people who, sh- who have autism, especially young kids, they might go to a neuropsychotherapist to kind of figure out what's going on with their brain. But again, I'm after uh, permanent changes at a rapid at a rapid time period. And so that's why I look at that neurology because you have to change your neurology to have everlasting change in your psychology. Mm-hmm. And so what got you into this? Let's talk a little bit about your story, your origin story and your background. Yeah, so it's funny. My my uh, background is actually in television production. It's what I worked in for the last uh, 15, uh, 12, 15 years. And um, I had a really weird childhood, lots of trauma, lots of abuse, like many people in the world, unfortunately. And I kept going to therapist after therapist. I wanted to change. I wanted to get free from the complex PTSD. I wanted to have a completely different life and no therapist could tell me how to change. They were just like, Oh, wow, that was shocking. That was amazing. Like, how'd you get through that? And they just kept staying in that same space. And I was like, cool, been here for 11 years, guys don't want to stay here anymore. And so I actually got my first master's in positive psychology with a subspecialty in coaching psychology so that I could fix myself. I was like, I'll just learn this stuff because maybe all these therapists don't know what they're doing. And then from there, I started to fall in love with neuroscience and how the brain works. And I started to learn neuroplasticity and techniques and how you can rewire your brain. And um, during this period, it was 2017, I think I had no um, 2016, 2017, I had no immune system. Mm 
and I had an autoimmune disease at the time. And I learned neuroplasticity. I learned how to change my brain and neurology aspect. And within like a few months, I walked out of a low of having no immune system. And some, I walked out of my autoimmune disease and I, everything just changed. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. And then everyone else started asking me for questions on how to do it. And so then I got my second master's so I could be a clinical mental health therapist. And then the rest is just kind of history. Yeah. So just going back to something you mentioned and so what is neuroplasticity? If you could just expand on that just for our viewers, for our listeners who don't know what it is. That's a great question. And I am so sorry. Thank you for calling me out on that one. So neuroplasticity is essentially rewiring the brain. So it's a really fancy Mm -hmm. word for something so simple. And I'll tell you how simple it is. Anytime you learn something new, you're creating neural changes in your brain. Because about a hundred years ago, we thought that the brain was like permanent, like whatever your Mm -hmm. neurology and psychology was, you were not changing it. But what we've learned is that the brain is actually like plastic. Like we can, we can, we can adapt it. It's, it's very malleable. And so we can change it based off of our thoughts. This goes even into your genetics and so forth. And so neuroplasticity is a big fancy word for just rewiring your brain. In fact, if you're right-handed, go brush your teeth with your left hand, your left-handed, go brush your teeth with your right hand, and you will start creating neural changes just by doing that. So it's a really big word for a really simple process at the end of the day. I tried Don't you love the medical field? <laughs> just for fun, um, I tried that. I tried to put on eyeliner with my left hand on my left <laughs> I was like trying to do it today. It's like, oh, let's see how do how good I do, how good I am at this. <laughs> I tried it. How'd you do? Not bad, I guess. If you can see, just wanted to. Yeah, look. Oh yeah. No, you did good then. Did Man, it? it would look like a two-year-old did it if I did that. I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like, oh, it'd be it'd be messy if I did that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I just took like two tries. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah. So um, let's talk about thoughts and thinking traps. Let's, how do you define thinking traps? Yeah. So thinking traps come from cognitive behavior therapy and the jargon is going to be cognitive distortions. But what we found is that there's automatic negative thinking patterns. So your thinking traps are going to be your automatic negative thinking patterns. So they just happen. They happen within a nanosecond. It's that default neural um, synapses in your brain. So like, you know, the best way to think about this is whatever your main path to work or to the grocery store is, that's what it is in your brain. It's that automatic way of thinking that you go. And what we've learned is that 90% of our thoughts, 90 to 95% of our thoughts are the same every single day. And 1% to 80% can be negative. And so we want to start to bring awareness to our thoughts because at the end of the day, you're going to be having the same thoughts over and over and over again. And so what we've learned is that these thinking traps, these automatic negative ways of thinking, they make your life harder. They make your life have more suffering. A lot of times people can go into all or nothing thinking. So just seeing black and white or right and wrong. We also have um, mislabeling and labeling or, you know, feelings and thoughts are, are always going to be true. And so I have this free quiz on my website that helps you identify what your personalized thinking patterns are because once you can like articulate them kind of like in front of you it's going to be easier for you to be like oh man i just fell back into should statements right like i love saying the shooting yourself it's fun it's a little mental health joke that we have and so you can start to pay attention to your ways of thinking because you can't change if you don't have that awareness if you don't really know where you need to start it's really difficult yeah i agree and it's like you know people like, I believe that no amount of knowledge can really change you if you are, you know, on that same cycle. Yeah, that exactly. Those same thinking, you're, those same thoughts are going on and on and on in your head. Yeah. And I'm so happy you said that because you really have to have that willingness to want to change. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had clients come in and they're like, okay, fix me. I'll do whatever you say. And I'm like, well, that's... That's not going to be true. That's not going to be true at all. And then I'll tell them something. And they're That's like, not how no, it don't. Yeah. Like you have to be willing and you have to also implement. I mean, this is, it's, it's hard, but at the end of the day, staying in your comfort zone and having a crappy life is also hard. It's just normalized. Yeah. Let's talk about how does the process for someone who's starting out, who's in this freer zone, who's caught up in these thinking traps right now, how does the process for this person looks like? In the sense of like identifying their thinking traps. 
Yeah, or, I mean, what's the step one? Like, let's say I'm caught up in my thinking patterns, but I want to be, I want to jump out of those because nothing's uh-huh. happening in my life. I feel like not, no, nothing is, um, even though I want to change my life, I cannot. Uh-huh. And so uh-huh. what's the, what does the process look like for someone like me? Mm-hmm. Um, well, seeing as I don't I know exactly. I just want to like add to that. I just want to pause you for a second. I think you yeah. started right. Like the first step is to identify, you know, yeah. where you are. Yeah. 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 And some of this just depends on each person. I work with a lot of analytical individuals, a lot of people who like to overthink and they need mm-hmm. to understand the engineering of something before they buy into it. But I also have clients who are a little bit more abstract. So first I'd like to tell people like what's your learning style, because this is going to help figure out how we go. Um, but then it's, you know, there's, there's tons of free assessments at the end of the day on the internet, right? Like you can find anything on the internet. Um, I'm going to always encourage people to go take my, what, what thinking trap is limiting your performance, because it's, it's going to score you on 17 of the most common thinking patterns. And it's going to give you a list of, okay, how often you, you participate in these, and it's going to give you education. So that's the other piece. Once you have that awareness, it's really learning that education. Mm -hmm. It's paying attention. It's practicing mindfulness and it's starting Mm -hmm. to challenge your thoughts or distance yourself from your thoughts. I mean, we all get weird thoughts, like super weird thoughts. You can have like, I think 6,000 to 70,000 thoughts a day. So that's a lot of bandwidth you have to pay attention Mm -hmm. to. But one thing I really like to tell my clients when I first um, bring them into my practice is, who do you want to be? Who's your ideal self? We've got to get really clear with your end goal for us to start to bridge the gap. So it's a little bit of working forwards to then work backwards to create those changes. But I'm always going to encourage people to find a therapist, a coach. I always encourage people working with those who are a little bit more knowledgeable, but I'm biased there. Cause at the end of the day, if your best friend helps you then that the research says mm-hmm. that can also be impactful as well. And I always encourage people to journal too. pay attention, read your thoughts, listen to what you're saying, get an accountability partner. I remember when I was working to stop speaking negativity, my um, good friend would always call me out every time I spoke death and he'd be like, Hey, We don't say that. And so we don't, I mean, we have Toastmasters and speaking groups for a reason because we don't always realize what we're saying. And so you have to start paying attention to yourself. And then again, it's, it's paying attention to your choices. Is this really what you want? Is this, is this, is this really the only perspective? So there's a lot of like little things that go on. I tell people sometimes changing your psychology can be a job in itself. So if if you ever have a lot of downtime in life, leverage it. Yeah. I like when you say that, you know, you can even go to your friends if they're open to it and just, you know, ask them to like really point out things that you don't notice in your life, but they do, you know, because they're the closest to you. And so if if they can help you, you know, sort certain things out. Exactly. And, you know, the research says that at the end of the day for, um, you know, someone who's helping you mentally, you really just Mm -hmm. want to be able to trust them. That trust factor is key. I tell my clients, if you don't trust me and if you're not willing, there's no point for you to waste your money with. So if you have a good friend that you trust and they help create those changes, great. I mean, at the end of the day, we've learned that psychotherapy will not help someone who's never had. And I I don't want to say like an absolute like that, but it's rare that psychotherapy can help somebody who's never had safety imprinted in their brain at as a young age. So, you know, sometimes it might be going and learning and getting a book or just journaling. Yeah. There's so many things at the end of the day, it's, 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 it's being willing to experiment to figure out what's going to work for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then what happens next? Like, let's say I'm ready to, you know, analyze myself, identify what's actually stopping me, what's going on in my head. And just coming aware to the things that's happening in my head. So what's the next step for me? And I'm, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, like a, a set steps for everyone. Like, like you said, that it could differ from person to person. But what is like in general the process look like? Like what should happen next? Because I feel that sometimes people face, uh, you know, their own fears. You know, when they're ready to do this thing, when they're ready to change, they start just experiencing different things. And then that's when they need more help, you know? 
that was so well said and I would agree a hundred percent. So what I do in my practice is I give all of my clients the thinking trap quiz because I like to pay attention to what they're saying and then give them awareness. Mm -hmm. And then I have a performance development assessment and I look at where they're low in 23 of the personality traits. And depending on what they do, I apply it to the ideal psychometrics for them to be successful in that job. Mm -hmm. And typically what we'll find is a, um, um, I'm losing my words here. Um, we'll find a connection between some of their most common thinking traps and um, their personalities. For instance, I'll give you an example. A lot of times when people say should statements, so shoulding yourself, should statements mm-hmm. are, are a thinking trap. Typically, they have really high conscientiousness, meaning they're almost perfectionistic. They're super rule following. And so now it's like, okay, we need to start challenging some of the rules that you follow because those mm-hmm. rules might have been adopted from mom and dad, and you might actually not believe in them whatsoever. Um, Another one, let's see, when people um, might be a little bit more label-like or a little bit all or nothing, sometimes that can be low trust. When you have low trust, that means you're pessimistic. When you're pessimistic, you're just going to have a little bit harder of a life. So then I would Mm want to teach them the optimism cognitive skills, which are very different than defeating depression or um, sadness and things like that. And so it's, I like to do a real linear approach of how do we get you to where you want to go to be the most successful to get you at peak performance. And then it's practicing that mindfulness and that acceptance, which sounds so simple, but it can be hard. It can be so hard. I'll give you another one, like all or nothing thinking. When people have all or nothing thinking, most of the time they have low flexibility. We want to increase that mental flexibility. And so I like to have those assessments to get kind of x-rays of their brain to be like, okay, these are the steps that we're going to need to take to move forward. Now, within that, we're going to have some worksheets or what have you to to identify your unique self because you've got to bring your personality to the table, like you were saying. Like you have to make it work for you and mold it for you and customize it for you. And then it's just working to grow that awareness and, you know, having someone call you out in that loving, encouraging manner. And then getting really clear again, who do you want to be? What's the life you want? A lot of people know what they don't want to see happen, which is fear. But very few people know what they want to see happen, which is faith. And faith and fear are equal in substance substance at the end of the day. And so how do we shift your thinking to be more forward what you want to see? Not that you can control the outcome, but you can control your effort. And so it's then starting to learn in that present moment, because what you're going to find in life is most people either live in the future or in the past and are not present in the moment. But this moment is the only opportunity you have to make a difference for your future. Mm-hmm. Love that. What do you think would be like the top most, like three most fear that you come across that people describe a lot or talk about a lot? That you know, they don't want to lose this. They just hold on to something. And like, what yeah. are those so, three? So I'll tell you the three, and they're not really all fears, but the three um, biggest blocks to having a sound mm-hmm. or healthy mental uh, mindset, uh, mental health. So rejection, and I don't necessarily mean fear rejection, but like rejection in the sense of, so with rejection, you have a lot of perfectionism, you have a lot of codependency, you have a lot of um, uh, constantly needing to seek approval from everyone, kind of ignoring your own feelings. And then bitterness is a huge one that will destroy a person and kill a person. It's been linked to cancer. It's just ugh. It's nasty. And then the last one is envy and jealousy, because that's also going to get you out of that present moment. And it's going to get you Mm -hmm. so focused with everyone else. So those are the three things that are like, "Mm, not good. Now, for my particular clients, I deal with a lot of fear of failure, perfectionism, um, the belief you have to succeed in order to receive love, fear of poverty, meaning like money's almost like a god to you. And like, Mm -hmm. even if you had a billion dollars, it still wouldn't be enough. What if you lose it? Or like, you know, you're holding all your money and you're like, no, like, I can't give you any money because, you know, this $20,000 I have in my bank account, if I give you a dollar, I might be broke. Yeah. Um, and so dealing with that type of stuff and then also, you know, fearing what people are going to think, which again goes back to that rejection. Mm-hmm. What do you mind? Like, can you expand a little bit on when you say bitterness? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. how, how is this a fear? Well, bitterness isn't necessarily a fear, uh, which is why I said the three things that are really going to block somebody from their mental health. But bitterness um, has about seven factors into it. So it starts off with unforgiveness and it goes down to murder. And remember, murder is not just like, I'm going to kill somebody, literally. It can also be verbal abuse. 
it can be physical abuse. It can be just hurting someone is kind of how we like to say it. And um, when somebody has bitterness, essentially what they're doing is they're keeping score of how everyone wronged them. Let's just be really real for a second. Every single person on planet Earth has hurt another person. Every single person on planet Earth has messed up and been a but at some point in their life, intentional or not, right? Like we are flawed human beings. We are selfish. We are mean. And so if you want someone to forgive you, then you need to be able to forgive somebody else. And forgiveness or unforgiveness, that bitterness, what it does is it keeps you in a cage. It keeps you in a cage in the past. And here's the funniest thing. Only you have the key. And holding that resentment and projecting it onto, you know, your third grade teacher who, you know, upset you or what have you, not to yeah. minimize or mock, at the end of the day, your third grade teacher is not being impacted by your emotional pain. Mm-hmm. So it's learning how to forgive and let go at a very quick level. And there's a lot of um, neuroplasticity techniques you can use to start to depress and suffocate those neurons so that you don't have those memories anymore once you heal from it. Um, but you want to get it out. Uh, I mean... It's, it's insane how much bitterness is connected to cancer. It's just absolutely insane. Bitterness, you have to remember all sicknesses are uh, manifestations of something deeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe in that. I totally believe in that. And I love the word resentment. I think if I were to like talk about something that you're talking about, I would use the word resentment for sure. Obviously, mm-hmm. you would, you're the expert, so you have your own... <laughs> knowledge behind backing that word but if i were to just explain a situation like talk about something resentment is the word for me yeah a lot of people all of psychology Mm -hmm. at the end of the day it's a theory you know every theory kind of contradicts another to a degree and and most of psychology comes from the dictionary from the words there and from Mm -hmm. past religion so if resentment works best for you then that's great i mean essentially we're talking about the same thing but it's, it's all going to lead to that same point. And so again, like, thank you for bringing that uniqueness to the table, because that's what I have to encourage people to do is like, make it yours, make it connect to you because until you get it, it's to your point, it's going to be harder to implement it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so what were these three, if you could say that again, rejection, bitterness, Mm -hmm. and jealousy and envy. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a big one too. Oh, yeah, especially for young ladies. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I Mm -hmm. see, you know, working with clients sometimes when, so my clients, you know, either they fall in like 40s or 50s or they are in 20s. Yeah. And the conversations we have is like, there, it just, the, the, you know, the conversation tangent changes immediately. Like, When people are in 20s, they fall to like, uh, you know, comparison thing faster. Yeah. Like social media. Yeah. Yeah. She's going so fast. Yeah. And like here, here's Mm -hmm. one of the best analogies I can tell people who start struggle with jealousy and envy is, you know, luxury cars pre COVID ranged from 30,000 and up and you could drive by a luxury car and be like oh look at that you know 18 year old driving the luxury car and i'm driving this beat up you know more affordable car right but then at the end of the day your affordable car might actually be more expensive than their bmw because if they get the very Mm -hmm. low bottom of the wheel you know no no bells and whistles so you have to be mindful because it's so easy to walk by someone and make these projections and assumptions and they know Mm -hmm. again that would be a thinking trap too you have no proof, mm-hmm. right? This is why we've got to leverage that mindfulness. There's a billion reasons to what's really going on at the end of the day. But if mm-hmm. you can learn how to just be like, man, good for them. That's awesome. They're driving a Maserati mm-hmm. at 22. Wow. Wonder what they're doing. Hope they're good. But at the end of the day, we know material possessions are never going to make you happy. They're never going to bring quality to your life. Yeah, I agree. hundred mm-hmm. percent. So like, if you were to like, put everything else in like three pillars or you could have more. I'm not sure. Like, I'm not aware of that. Like, what are these three pillars? I hear that I hear you using mindfulness a lot. So I, I believe that that would be one. And are there anything, any else pillars like elements, secrets, pillars, whatever you want to call it. 
Yeah. And in fact, I have a program called Mindset Mastery that helps people build that solid mental foundation. And at the end of the day, it's learning how to leverage your values because a lot of times people make decisions off their feelings and whew, man, feelings can lie to yeah. you. There's something called a limbic loop, which will send you false sensations. That is very mm -hmm. inaccurate. It's learning your thinking traps. You've got to figure out your tendencies, how you think. Again, 90% of mm -hmm. our thoughts are the same. Honestly, one to 99% can be negative. I think I said one to 80 originally. Um, you've got to learn how to leverage mindfulness. Acceptance is really difficult for more of those type A linear thinkers. Um, yeah. You've got to learn how to navigate those intense emotions. You've got to learn how to have healthy self-talk, especially if you want to be a champion, especially if you want to reach peak performance. This is something that we see just amazing in the warrior um, area and, and professional athletes. And then it's learning how to communicate effectively because it's really hard to go mm -hmm. anywhere in life if we cannot be understood. And what people fail to understand is communication is what the listener perceives. Mm -hmm. It's not what you say. It's what they hear. And so sometimes you yeah. got to make sure, hey, are we having a misunderstanding right now? Because, you know, like you said, you said resentment. I said bitterness, right? We're saying yeah. a little bit of the same thing, but we have to articulate like what is that meaning we're making out of whatever we're you know talking about because exactly. it's it's deep yeah 100 percent. and so you take your clients through all of these five pillars or like five or six how many of they are so um with my clients who work with me um they typically get results a radical transformation within three sessions. So I do things a little bit different. They get my, my mindset mastery course as part of working with me and I encourage them to watch it on their own. Um, but I do a handful of assessments and because I've been, because I'm a personality theorist expert and a neuropsychotherapist, I can hear exactly where I need to really start at the neurological level to get them mm -hmm. changes. And so that's why most of them get the changes within three sessions. Sometimes it's less. Uh, I have a 99% success rate. I've gotten companies to the billion dollar mark and the multi-million dollar Mark, mark pretty quickly. And so I make a custom plan. It's very customizable because everyone has something a little bit different. And um, I mean, you might even be able to speak to this too. Sometimes they come in for A and we find out it's really cute. Yeah, yeah. that happens a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so you, you listen to what they're saying, but you go deeper to figure out, okay, this is what you're wanting, but this is really actually probably what you need. Mm -hmm. And that has a lot of that has to do with where they are fixated. And a lot of times they're fixated on the problem that doesn't even exist. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Or, you know, like trauma sucks. 70% of America has experienced trauma. I mean, I don't know what the statistics are for the rest of the world. And sometimes it's just needing someone who's, who's objective to validate and affirm what you're saying and then show you a different place of being. I mean, if you had met me 10 years ago, I was a whole nother person than I am today. Yeah, you know? And too. so it's sometimes having a person like cheering you on. And I tell my clients this, like life does not happen in our sessions. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Mm -hmm. It does not happen in our sessions. So my clients get my, my personal phone number to reach out to me when they need something or if they need that encouragement or that help so that we can create that transformation a little bit quicker because there's 168 hours in the week at the end of the day. You know, if you're, yeah. if I'm seeing you for one hour and you're doing all these other things that I'm going to encourage you not to do, it's going to be harder to get you to change because it is a numbers game, like much of life. Right, right. Agree. So then let's dive into the mis some of the mistakes that people might be making. Like if okay. I'm trying to, you know, work on my thinking trap, thinking patterns outside of the session with you, let's say, you know. Just minus one hour from that week, and then rest of the time, I'm just trying to handle it on 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 my by myself. So then, what what are the mistakes that I might be making, or certain traps that I might be getting caught up in, thinking that I'm making progress, but I'm actually not? It's again a trap. Um, I don't know if mistakes would be the right word, and I don't mean to harp on the linguistics there. It's more of the fact that mm -hmm. you know, if you're if you're willing and you're trying. And when I say trying, I mean, you're, you're actually working to shift your psychology, then you're not making mistakes. This is sometimes going to be a slow process for some people at the end of the day, especially if this is like new to you. Um, what I've learned though, is if that self-talk isn't fine tuned, it's going to be a little bit more difficult to change because some people, especially more of the type A dominant personalities, like 
they want change five days ago. Like they are ready for, to already achieve it. And so it's learning that patience. It's congratulating and cheering yourself when you're like, oh man, I just fell into a thinking trap or, oh, I just said should, right? At the mm-hmm. end of the day, we have something called a reticular activity system in the back of our brain and it helps filter in and filter out the stimuli. And so one thing that I see a lot of clients not always wanting to do is they don't want to visualize. And that visualization actually helps mm-hmm. your brain look for what it needs to look for to bring it in. Cause there's just too much stimuli in the world for it to bring everything in. Mm-hmm. And so it's getting really clear on your end goal and then working to believe that you can get there because at the end of the day, humans work to create their most dominant thoughts. So if your most dominant thoughts are negative, don't be shocked when you have a negative life. If your most of your dominant thoughts are positive and I can do this and I've got this, then you're going to have a better chance at achieving your goals because you're going to be more positive. So your prefrontal cortex is actually going to be a little bit more balanced than if you practice those avoidance and negative goals, which means that negativity, your amygdala, uh, the center house of your emotions at the end of the day Mm -hmm. can register negativity in a nanosecond, nanosecond. That's, that's a lot of competing at the end of the day, right? Cause that means it's bypassing your prefrontal cortex. And so what we would have to do is rewire your brain to be the correct way, which is prefrontal cortex to limbic, not limbic system to prefrontal cortex. And so at the end of the day, it's, are you willing to keep trying? Like when you fall off that horse, it's three seconds, get back up. It's just, let's pop up. It's not letting yourself go down. Sometimes it's just one thought and that can crush you down. Totally. Oh, for, I mean, I spiral sometimes and my friends will be like, Hey, you're spiraling. I'm like, Oh, Oh, thank you. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like we miss these things at the end of the day, but you know, I like to analyze my thoughts a little too much probably. And so this is why I say journal, like journal about your day. What went wrong? How can you change it? One thing I encourage my clients to do every single day is how am I going to be a champion today? Ask yourself that question, mm-hmm. write it down write down the way you need to think. And then at the end of the day, mm-hmm. reflect back through your day and say, how was I a champion today? Because if you want to be a champion, if you want to achieve your dream, your dreams, then you have to do things differently than you're doing things. Now, if you're not having that success, if going back to that, I don't like my life, nothing's changing, then you have mm-hmm. to radically change the way you think. And one of the best ways you can radically change the way you think is radically changing your vocabulary, no longer speaking the words you typically speak, which can be hard because sometimes you're going to have nothing to say and that's okay. Mm-hmm. That brings me to the question that I wanted to ask you. Can you give an example of this negative self-talk that most people often have in themselves? Sure. Sure. Um, and they should not. <laughs> should. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. See, look at that. See, sometimes the education can just, you know, bring so much awareness. Um, I don't want to cuss, but a lot of them are are cuss words. I won't lie. Uh, So I'll I'll use PG language and just fill it in if if that resonates you. But I hear a lot of, uh, I'm a piece of crap. I'm a failure. I suck. I can't do any of this. I should just go kill myself, which by the way, if you're suicidal, that's serious. Go reach out. I want to be very clear about that. A lot of self-defeating to the point of where it's like, and I'm, I've, I've been guilty of this, where it's like they expect themselves to be perfect, like like a god at the end of the day. They do everything right. You try something once and you succeed. Um, you want just to have that super ability, that superhuman ability. Um, so it's just a lot of kicking you down. A lot of things that you would never say to anyone else. I'm going to cut you for a second. And is this also an example of a thinking trap? Um, yes, because it, there's something called thoughts or what they or thoughts and feelings are what they, you think they are. And so in a way, yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, mm-hmm. this is where I would say, you know, on those moments where I say like, I'm a failure, I suck. I'm never going to do anything right. It's like, okay, stop, hold the phone. Is this a true thought? Well, no, I'm a two-time published author. I have a successful company. I have three degrees. I know my effort. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then you can start to write off all the list of all your accomplishments. And so it's, it's, it's remembering that sometimes what you feel and what you think, they just need to be fleeting and you just need to let them go. Cause at the end of the day, the only thing you really have control over is your effort. Yeah. And then should people like make more effort? Is that the direction or like just yeah. allow the things to be the way they are? I mean, so a part of that's going to be avoidance versus being proactive. So Mm -hmm. passive or, or proactive humans are created to be proactive. We are not created to be avoidant Mm -hmm. or negative. When you're proactive, you have positive goals. When you have positive goals, you're operating more as humans are supposed to operate. Um, unfortunately there is 
a few temperaments that prefer more of the avoidance, easier pattern, mm -hmm. and they have a harder time at life. Um, your willingness and how much effort, this is kind of where we leverage that growth mindset. That's really going to depend on how much ambition you have. I'm someone who is a, is a high performer. I have a lot of energy, a lot of um, ambition. And so when someone says like, Oh, you know, you, you did good. I'm like, great. How can I do better? Like, I want to, I want that, that, uh, constructive criticism. I want to learn other people's perspectives of what I'm doing. Now I'm not necessarily going to always agree with it or take it to heart because people also have biases as well, but I like to learn. I love learning. I'm a, you can see partial my, my library back there. Um, yeah. so this is where it comes <laughs> to you. I, <laughs> I know it's a little messy too, cause I don't have enough space and I gave 300 books away last year. So made me sad. Mm -hmm. made me very sad. Um, but going back to that willingness, you know, there is, there are five stages to change. So if you're not ready to do the work yet, can you start to visualize what doing the work would look like? Let's just start there. Mm -hmm. Do you want to like expand on what are these five stages? Just sure. maybe just their names. Yeah. So there's, um, pre-contemplation, there's, um, yeah. contemplation. Um, I always forget one of them though. So I've got to look up really quickly isn't that bad yeah. now that you mentioned those that's all right now that you mentioned those i'm like oh yeah this contemplation pre-contemplation action something like that yep pre-contemplation contemplation preparation action mm -hmm. maintenance and typically um maintenance there's right after in between action and maintenance sometimes we can have relapses we can have relapses after after maintenance mm -hmm. um but that is that's the cycle at the end of the day so again pre-contemplation is thinking about thinking about changing right? So visualize what would the change look like? Then you get a little bit more comfortable. Okay. Visualize what putting some action into it is. Now you're going to be in the preparation stage. Now, what are the steps you need to do to get to that action? How can you maintain it? And so forth. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's two steps forward for, for like five steps backwards, and then you go 12 steps forward. And so it's really leveraging hindsight, hindsight. I can't talk today and really leveraging reflection. That's just so important. Like I wish more and more people would reflect throughout their day and be like, man, what did I do well today? You know, what am I grateful for just for today? Because that can mm -hmm. also help rewire your brain to finding more of that positivity and having more of that, like faith hope mm -hmm. type of stuff. Yeah. So let's try to close this circle now. We started with thinking patterns and thinking traps. Um, and then you kind of like talked about what the process looks like if people want to solve this problem. So they start with going to a coach or a therapist or just a friend, right? And then they can assess their personality and you have those tests, right? I mean, you personally also have, or do you recommend someone else's test? Um, I, so, uh, th there's a lot of assessments online. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes you just pray, pay for the brand. You don't actually pay for the information. So, um, yeah. the two that I offer are, are free. I do offer a more elite one that, uh, just has more questions, a little bit more filters. So we can't lie or contradict ourselves. That is the only assessment I encourage people to take. It's called the, Wins the Winslow assessment and it scores you on 24 psychometrics and then it compares you with your job profile. Now I do the same thing with my clients when they come in and I, I offer that. Um, but th at the end of the day, like learn your temperament, learn your, your Myers-Briggs, learn, you know, your disc profile. If that's something that's important to you. Like the more assessments are part of the journey. They are not the journey. It's just checkpoints as yeah. you move forward to get information, to learn about yourself. There's five personality traits that you want to have in a certain area that we've learned are going to be the most um, enjoyable and, and, and hopeful for your life. And it's openness, it's conscientiousness. Uh, it's called ocean is the acronym. It's um, extroversion, agreeableness and neuroticism. So you want neuroticism to be low. You want agreeableness to be low to high, depending on your job, but the less agreeable you are, the more money you make, just heads up. And then extroversion, we just found that extroverts are just a little bit happier in life. Uh, conscientiousness, we want that to be middle to high. We don't want you to be, you know, rigid and moralistic to the degree where you're not really living. Um, and then the more open you are, like there's a saying, or there's one rule in improv, which is yes. And if you can learn how to live your life by yes. And it's amazing what can happen. And on top of that, Assess your thoughts as well. <laughs> yes. Oh my that God. Way to close it. Yeah. 
pay attention to what you're thinking. It's, I mean, I yeah. just, like, drive down the road and I was like killing off my family and like, how would I survive, survive if this happened? Like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Don't think that way. Think about like, mm-hmm. man, today I'm going to uh, bless somebody or be encouraging, or I'm going to, you know, achieve my goal today. Right. Think about where you really want to go. We only have so much bandwidth. Yeah. So if you were to like summarize everything and like last sort of last words for the listeners, what would those words be? And what would that summary be? You know, right now, the thing that's on my heart is you only get one chance at life. It's up to you to make it an amazing life. Be willing to leave your comfort zone, which is scary as crap at first. Let's be real. Uh, But trust yourself. You know, confidence is something that is built slowly. We compare confidence to a lot of these professional athletes, but you have to remember that Tiger Woods, just a perfect example. He started playing golf at two. You know, he hit thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of golf balls by the time he was 20. He had constant uh, positive experiences to build his confidence. So that's Mm -hmm. the other thing is go and seek positive experiences. And if it's not positive, be willing to try again because everybody fails. I mean, have you failed? Because I've failed. Sure. Like multiple times. Oh, <laughs> I can't yes, even I'm count. Like, right? Right? I, I think I struggled more with fear of success than fear of failure. I'm like, Psh, I got that one. Exactly. I'm good with that one. That's the one. I have to tell you, that's the, that's the biggest one that I struggled with a lot. Like for the longest mm-hmm. time. Yeah. A lot of times I just let the opportunity, you know, just pass. Just because I was like, that fear of success just, you know, held me so strong. Yeah. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. that can sometimes go back into that rejection, right? Like, Ooh, what if I lose myself? What if people don't like me, you know? And that's the other Mm -hmm. thing, um, kind of on that note, and it took me a while to learn this one, but your perspective, you being more that general person is your perspective. We can't tell you what a right or wrong perspective is in psychology. We know the extremes, right? Like if your perspective is to Mm -hmm. murder everyone in the world, yeah, that's not healthy. We know that. Okay. But at the end of the day, you have to start to validate your own perspective and own your own truth because nobody agrees with everything. Nobody. So you have to own yourself, like live. I don't want to say live for yourself because I think people take that out of context. Um, We really are supposed to be a community. We need to be more of a we than a me, but you have to do what's best for you. Even if everyone in your family doesn't agree because you are the expert of your life, you know, your experiences, you know, your meaning, you know, your thoughts. So learn how to trust yourself and do what you believe is best. And if you fail, mess up, guess what? You're further than you were and you learn something. So how is that really failing? Exactly. I'm not sure if you've heard of this phrase that even gods had enemies. Mm, I like that. Yeah. Like there's no one perfect here and everyone can have an enemy or, you know, people who don't like you actually. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? It's not a bad thing at the end of the day. Like, cool. I mean, I don't like everyone. Do you? I don't want everyone to like me. (laughs) There you go. There you go. But you know what? The cool thing is, is you don't have to like everyone, but you can still always be respectful and kind. You can have those boundaries. Like, you know what? You can be loving and firm. It's possible. Mm Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean like if you don't like someone or someone doesn't like you, that doesn't mean that you or them are like arrogant or rude or, you know, you go into that negative spiral. You know, it can still be like sportsmanship. You know, if you look at that example, they lose, but they're still, they understand that it's just sport. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It doesn't define mm-hmm. you. And, you know, what we've yeah. learned so much with the champions, and I've worked with a few professional athletes, and I uh, am blessed to know some like, amazing uh war heroes uh at the end of the day if you can learn how to take your like not tangle success your results with your worth it's easier to move forward right like professional athletes have had failures and they they just you know they leave it on the field and they move forward like you have to and this is the power of learning how to forgive quickly learning how to get over that Mm -hmm. bitterness is learning how to forgive yourself and just move on it's in the past don't worry about it like if only couples could learn Mm -hmm. this we'd probably have a um maybe less divorce in America um, because we could just let things be in the past and you can move forward. I agree. (laughs) So that brings me, like you mentioned something, um, worthiness and failure, you know, and I see that a lot in the business space that I'm in, especially. 
So mm-hmm. when someone, I'm not sure if you've heard of the term launches, like when someone launches their online program, mm-hmm. are you familiar with that kind of language? Mm-hmm. Yes. So then sometimes when your launch fails, which basically means that no one buys your program, people connected to their worthiness that I'm not worthy enough. You know, I don't deserve those sales. Like I failed. Right. You know, so is there like a tip for, um, you know, business owners or anyone in online space starting out? Like, because I see people who are in their forties and fifties and they're making that effort to like go online, but when they're, mm-hmm. when they're see no sales, that's when they feel like, oh my God, what did we just do? We, yeah, you know, yeah. kind of ran out of all our saving and stuff like that. So is there a specific advice for them? Yes. Like, just so first general. off, mm-hmm. yeah, so first off, there are some of the most successful people in the coaching course space have had many flops mini flops in exactly. their launches. So mm-hmm. honestly, like when I, I've had a flop and I'm like, well, learn from it, at least it's out of the way. Hopefully well, there'll be no more. Right. And, and correct. Mm-hmm. But as for the correlating them together, your worth is a constant. Even people on death row are worthy. Have they done bad things? Absolutely. But they are worthy. Nothing actually impacts your worth because the second you were conceived, the second you came onto planet earth, mm-hmm. you were worthy. And you have to start to see yourself as worthy. This is the component of self-esteem. It's part of self-esteem. So there's the self-worth and the self-efficacy part that makes up self-esteem. And you have to start telling yourself that you are worthy regardless of what you do or what you don't do. They don't, they Mm -hmm. don't impact, right? And this is how we fall into this performance love. A lot of parents give performance love versus unconditional love, meaning you get an A on your test, you get love. You do something I don't like, I retract my love. And it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm not a parent. I know parents do the best they can. And a lot of parents have never even received unconditional love. So mm-hmm. you can only do what you know, right? But if you can start to see that what you do and what you don't do doesn't impact your worth. You're still worthy. You're still a great, amazing human. Do you have some areas you can grow? Absolutely. Because every human on planet earth can continue to grow and become better if they choose. Cause I don't think we ever fully arrive at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. It's just about that. getting far from the dock, get away from the dock. Love- that's the goal. <laughs> that's my favorite one. I don't think we fully arrive. <laughs> love that. So then, yeah, and I also feel that, you know, it's more about the experience and that you just, you know, keep experiencing things. Like, I would love to experience more and more stuff. And if I'm not going out there, if I'm not putting myself out there, those experiences will shrink. And I don't want that. I don't want that limited life. So, yeah, rather than... mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't mean to cut you off. That's okay. I mean, just rather than saying, going back to what you said, all or nothing, rather than putting it in that, in those parameters, just saying that it's an experience and I gain, I learn something. Yeah, for real. Like, I wish more and more people would do that. Um, oh gosh, I had two thoughts. Um, so I don't remember one of them, but th- I heard this analogy once and it like, it blew my mind. So I, I don't have a demonstration, but ultimately if you take two solo cups, so just, or two cups mm-hmm. and you have one upside or the right side and one upside down and it's raining, mm-hmm. which one is going to catch all the rain? The upside. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So all these people are like, ah, like sometimes I hear like, God doesn't love me or I can't do anything right. And I'm like, well, your cup's upside down. How can you catch anything? You got to go out there. You got to say yes. And you know, the people who have like reached top performance or who have really accomplished a lot, they said yes to every opportunity that they were given. And so it's learning how to be that fearlessness and just like go for it and go and turn yourself upside down and be like, you know what? I'm going to learn if I fail, whatever. I'm going to learn from it because that's not really failing at the end of the day. You know, life's really what you make it. And unfortunately, very few people are willing to do something different. Exactly. And also, again, going back to the perception thing, like rain is good for people who are near harvesting. No, sorry. <laughs> who want to who are near that. Yeah. No. Yeah. What's that season when they're sowing the seeds? Spring. We usually spring. Say, we, we, yeah, we usually yeah. plant in sp- uh, spring. No, but that's, there's a word for like harvesting is the time when you don't want rain. Right. 
Right. And then sewing is where you plan. Yeah. Sewing. Yeah. Sewing. Okay. That's what he said. Yeah. yeah. I don't 100% remember to be completely honest. <laughs> but yeah. I was trying to, you know, use this analogy, but then clearly didn't, it didn't land well. That's, <laughs> so that's I was okay. like, you don't, you don't need rain. You don't want rain when it's harvesting, but um, when it's summer, you want that rain. So it's clearly perception. I mean, I'm not, the, for my analogy, it has nothing to do with planting or, or um, mm-hmm. harvesting at the end of the day. It's more of the fact that if you go around with a negative mindset saying, no one loves me, well, it was me. And you say no to every opportunity you get, do not be surprised that you're not going anywhere with your life. Yeah. I mean, Great. at the end of the day, we're supposed to be positive. I mean, that's literally how the brain... At the end of the day, we were wired for love. If we were wired for fear, it would feel so much better. True. And whenever we are like in that negative zone, that fear zone, our body starts like drifting away. Like we automatically feel that something is not right. right? You leave your prefrontal cortex. So you're no longer a human. You're an animal. You're in your limbic system. When you're in your limbic system, you can't make appropriate decisions. In fact, you're not even making decisions. Your amygdala will override you every single time. Nine out of ten times. And there's things you can do to get out of your limbic system. People who have complex PTSD and have uh, lots of trauma or abuse or anything like that, they're in their limbic system. If you have allergies, if you have multiple chemical sensitivities, some of the sicknesses, that is a limbic override. That's where your limbic system is taking over. And there's things you can do to get out of it. Most people mm-hmm. aren't consistent, though. And so that's where some of this comes down. Most people don't want to do the work to change. I think that might be mm-hmm. a little bit of the American mentality to a degree yeah. sometimes, though. <laughs> so if you were to, like, summarize it, you want to say, like, I know we went to summary 15 minutes ago, but, like, if, like, if we were to, like, clearly summarize this thing, do you want to say anything else? I mean, say yes and to life. Trust yourself. Mm-hmm. If you fail, yeah. you fail. And first off, anyone who makes fun of you for trying something new and failing, that is their issue. That is not yours. So don't yeah. own other people's BS. Mm-hmm. Love that. So if anyone wants to like, like reach out to you or connect with you, where can they do that? Uh, so my website is Elizabeth Lewis, L-O-U-I-S.com. Um, I'm very active on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can find me on Instagram and, and Facebook at Elizabeth Lewis Coaching. And then if you guys okay, want to reach out. Drop, you can... Yeah, I'm going to drop those links in the show notes. And so if anyone wants to connect with you, you can just simply click on the link and reach out to Elizabeth. Perfect. So it was great having you. And I enjoyed the conversation. I can, I know that it can go longer than this. We can keep on talking and talking and talking, (laughs) but then let's, yeah. So yeah. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun chatting with you too. I feel like we could just go on and on for hours too. Yeah. I can talk about this. Like I said, in the beginning, this is my favorite thing. (laughs) Yeah. Me too, girl. Yeah. So thank you, Elizabeth, and I hope to see you soon as well. Thank you.